Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Sparlin HVACR podcast. And welcome to part two of head pressure control. So if you have not listened to part one and you need a refresher on what happens inside of your system when you have low ambient temperature, some benefits and downfalls of floating head pressure, stop right now and go back one episode to episode 20.1. It's part one of head pressure control. All right, now that we've discussed the reasons why we need to control head pressure, let's talk about how we accomplish it. So we're going to use valves called, go figure, head pressure control valves. Maybe they are referred to as HPCs, a receiver pressure regulator, a condenser pressure regulator, or a condenser flooding valve. Now, as that last name states what these valves are trying to accomplish, is flooding your condenser. Now flooding your condenser means holding back refrigerant into your condenser coils. As you hold back the liquid refrigerant in your condenser, the surface area available for heat transfer is going to be reduced. And now with the reduced surface area, less heat will be transferred from the refrigerant. So your condensing saturation temperature will rise and as well the condensing saturation pressure. So how this is accomplished with our head pressure control valves is very similar to an EPR. Your head pressure control valve internally has either a spring or some type of gas pressure which will dictate a set point. And based on the type of head pressure control valve that you choose, that pressure internal to the valve may be looking at discharge pressure, condenser pressure, or receiver pressure. Now, once the system pressure, whether it be discharge, condenser, or receiver, whichever type of valve you choose, falls below that set point, the valve is going to throttle. When it throttles, that's when it's going to stack refrigerant in the condenser, reducing the service area, bringing up your head pressure. Once the head pressure gets above the set point, then the valve will open, allowing your condenser to freely flow to your receiver and then on to your expansion valve. So in theory, it's pretty simple, uh, but there are some conditions we need to maintain. If we're blocking off our condenser from flowing, we run the risk still of starving our expansion valve and our evaporator. So to maintain flow, we want to bypass some discharge gas into our receiver, either with a second valve or with an extra port in our head pressure control valve. So if you look at our head pressure control valve product line, we have our standard ORI. It opens on rise of inlet pressure. So this is gonna be a holdback valve. As your inlet pressure, which is coming from your condenser, falls below the set point, the valve will shut. But if you use this valve alone, then we run the risk of starving our expansion valve. So we include an ORD, a differential valve. It opens on rise of differential. Now this valve will have a preset differential that it opens. The inlet comes from your discharge line and the outlet goes to your receiver. So for example, with a 14 PSI ORD, that 14 PSI is our differential, 
if your receiver pressure falls and the differential is greater than 14 psi, then the valve will open, allowing discharge gas to flow into your receiver to bring that differential pressure under 14 psi. Another valve that we offer is the OROA, which simply takes the ORI, ORD, and puts them into one body. This will have a preset differential pressure as well as a preset head pressure that it maintains. And the other type of head pressure control valve we have is called the LAC, which is low ambient control. It accomplishes the same thing, but does it differently. When your condenser pressure falls below the set point and the valve throttles, it's immediately allowing discharge gas into your receiver. Now in the show notes, you'll find a link to our literature for our head pressure control valves. It's Sporlin Bulletin 90-30, and inside you'll see cutaways of the valves so you can see the flow paths. You'll see plumbing suggestions where they should be located inside of a system, as well as all your sizing information, which we're going to cover next. So the key pieces of information we need for sizing a head pressure control valve. Number one, as always, what is your system capacity? Second will be the system refrigerant. Third is going to be the minimum ambient design temperature. So what is the minimum temperature that this system will see while still operating? And lastly is going to be what the allowable pressure drop is across this valve. We want to ensure we don't have too large of a pressure drop across the head pressure control valve, or else we end up in the situation we started with, with a lower receiver pressure or lower head pressure getting to our expansion valve. So back in the bulletin 90-30, you'll see a table which has low ambient temperature conditions and the capacity of the valve in those conditions. You want to find that minimum ambient design temperature that you chose, the maximum pressure drop that you have across it, then look to see what valve type and port size of that valve will handle your capacity. Then the last thing we need to do is check the high ambient conditions because we need to make sure when it's summertime at our peak operating conditions, we need to see that this head pressure control valve can still meet our capacity requirement. So for example, if we have a 10 ton R22 system, the minimum ambient temperature that we're going to see is negative 20. We'll look up to the low ambient conditions. We find our refrigerant, which is R22. We find the minimum ambient temperature design, which was negative 20. Then we could go to the right. We see the different valve types we have. For a 10 ton system, it looks like we could get away with an LAC5, a size 5 valve and that will have about 15 PSI of pressure drop, or we could go up to a size 10, which will only have two PSI pressure drop. So we're going to choose the LAC10, the size 10 valve, because it has the lower pressure drop. Although the LAC5 valve would work, a pressure drop of 15 PSI is wasted electricity. You can allow your head pressure to float lower and save on your lower compression ratio. So this wraps up how we accomplish head pressure control, but we still have a couple of things to talk about. We're going to have one more episode, which is going to talk about installation of the valves, additional 
charge requirements, and some last-minute tips. So that episode is coming up next. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you in the next one.